0: Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week, we have a brand new guest talking about their journey through the world of martial arts. My guest this week, I I first made aware of, um, if you uh, listened to my episode a few weeks back with Carmichael Simon, kind of the same spot, the Diamond Nationals Karate Tournament down in Bloomington, Minnesota. I saw this competitor, and and she was just amazing. Uh, One of my favorite weapons is the bow Staff, and watching her compete, I mean, she was one of the most dominant female competitors in the mid to late 90s, and, and her instructor, who we'll hopefully talk a little bit about too, Mike Bernard is considered one of the best bow practitioners to ever compete. And, and she uh, she definitely is right up there with him in my, in my opinion. So very excited to have on the show today. Casey Marks Nash, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Thanks. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. It's a quiet evening. So <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I have three kids, so it's a quiet evening. That's a good thing. Cool. So well, kind of like with all my guests, we, what we like to do is go back to the beginning. What I'd like to know is Where did that first spark come? That first interest in martial arts, kind of what led to that? You know, what age, if you remember? And was it something, was it you or was it your parents? Just talk a little bit about that.
1: Um, It's actually funny. My brother is what got me into martial arts in the first place. Um, We lived in a small town just outside of Myrtle Beach. And my brother had wanted to take martial arts for a while. because It was around the time where like Ninja Turtles were coming out. And it was just something that he, he really wanted to be involved with, but there were no schools in our general area. So my dad got transferred to Asheville, North Carolina, and kind of as a trade-off for moving, that was one of the deals my parents made was when we get there, we'll find a school. So I don't even think we had boxes unpacked, and he was already on them about, okay, when can we go? So we found a local uh, local school there close to us and we went in and they had you know like most schools do they have their trial try a class whatever the package is Mm -hmm. and i ended up trying it with him and i remember telling my mom and dad afterwards that i didn't really care what he wanted to do i wanted to do (laughs) um yeah so we both ended up joining that school okay um and i don't know going back a bit the the head instructor of that organization was actually a gentleman named roger jones And he actually ran a NASCA tournament in North Carolina. So we had only, I don't even think we had, um, I want to say we were still white belts because we didn't compete at the event, but we went to his tournament as a spectator. And as a spectator actually walked out with a trophy because there (laughs) happened to be a division with nobody in it. And we were just in the right place at the right (laughs) time. So we got a gift. Very cool. But that evening, Mike Bernardo competed and i remember watching him in the final show and again like this is we've never been to anything like this before right. and i told i just told my mom i said i i want to be able to do that like what he just did i want to be able to do and she said okay so that kind of got the ball rolling for us as kind of i guess to set goals which i think a lot of a lot of kids at different ages forget how important that is um but that moment for me really helped set some really clear goals of what I wanted to do. And then I was lucky to have parents that could help me facilitate that. And my brother competed as well and it just became, well, it's, it became what it, what it turned out to be today, 30 some years
0: later. Nice, so that very first class then, what was it about that class? What made you say, I wanna do this?
1: I think even to this day, the, the big draw for me to martial arts is, it almost feels like a whole bunch of puzzles there's the physical aspect, there's the application aspect, there's the the repetition of it to find the perfection. But at the same time, I love the fact that I don't have to rely on someone else to find in myself, my own application or my own interpretation of what we're doing. And I, I, I had played like, I played softball, and, and, you know, random things, but I guess it was just the, the speed of it, the energy in the room. Um, and then the fact that I could, I could move at my own pace in a, in a classroom setting, but still feel very much like an individual in control of the experience. Okay. Yeah. If that makes, I don't know if that makes sense, but it makes perfect sense. Um, I've, I've actually had the conversation with a lot of people as, as I've gotten older and you know, you, you have family, you have kids and everything. I, I've actually tried to find stuff to replace <laughs> The martial arts?
0: It's not easy. Um,
1: no, it's not. And and everything I've tried, I'm like, well, like I, I asked for and got a bike one year. And I'm like, well, this is boring because I my, my brain is in so many different places. And there's, I can't do anything with my arms. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> um, I did rock climbing for a while, like indoor stuff. And I just haven't found anything that encompasses so many different elements at the same time. And and I think it's it's a sport you can grow with as well there's a lot of athletic endeavors that I I feel we get to a point as, as we age that we can no longer participate. And I think that the martial arts is amazing in the way that it lets you really cater to where you are in that place in your life, not only mentally, but, but physically as well. And then emotionally, like, you know, there are days where I'm, you're not in the mood to do a certain type of practice Um, like how do I say it? There are days where I just don't feel like sparring. I'd rather just run kata by myself where there's days where I'm really in the mood to, to collaborate with someone else. And there's that creative side of it as well. And the, just, it's, it's just a constant revolving door of improvement that I, I just, I, I guess I'm just addicted to.
0: Okay. Do you remember what was that first style you took?
1: So it was a blend of karate and Aikido.
0: Oh, cool. um, okay.
1: Yeah. Which was really interesting because it gave us um, a unique face um, but then working with Bernardo, he's more uh, traditional. There's Shawn Rue, so that that was a totally different look. But I think the the self defense aspect of doing the the aikido side of it really helped translate into some of the performance aspect of application. Okay. And do you remember
0: how long did you stay at that first school? And at that school, did you get into competition at the time?
1: Uh, yes. Okay. So we competed under them um that would have been 1990 I' date myself uh, when we started and then I was with them until 95 okay um, 95 we branched off and we actually opened our own school um, with one of the original instructors from that that franchise then ran it on our own and then after I graduated high school it just became too much to kind of run mm-hmm. myself I mean I'm it, it's a lot to put on to take on at that age. Right. So uh, then that's shortly thereafter I ended up in Canada.
0: So then what was it that, is that the whole reason you went to Canada was to train with Mike?
1: Um, I had been training. So NASCA used to have some amazing Friday night seminars because there weren't as many divisions Friday night. It was pretty much just, um, I remember it just being team fighting Mm. and then they would set up their their guest instructors would come in and do seminars. So that first year that we competed would have been 91, that we actually tried to follow kind of the NASCA tour and get our feet wet. And I, any seminar that that man offered, I was at, I think, I think there were points where he got tired of sitting in my face, <laughs> like, but I didn't care. Like, It could be the same material, you know, term after term, and I didn't mat- it didn't matter to me. I wanted to hear it. Um, and then it actually uh, created a relationship to where we got invited to come up to his school. So I came up for summer camps, um, which is where I met a lot of amazing people like um, Claire Koza, uh Dwayne Blair, if anybody knows that name, Dwayne's awesome, uh, Russ Taylor, a lot of the guys that that trained uh, there at Bernardo's school, we would come up for um, like odd, odd just training sessions through the year. Uh, he came down to our school a couple of times over the next the next few years, and then yeah, it was just like a back and forth. And it's funny, like being able to come up here and be closer to him was actually a big draw for me. But I unfortunately, with you know, life gets in the way, and I haven't been to his school as much as I. Hundred percent would have liked. But.
0: So now, did you ever was was it always bow staff for you, or did you did you ever try any other weapons in competition?
1: Um, to actually compete with in front of other people, no, it's always been the bow. I've okay. done like demo demos with other weapons. Okay. Um, my brother and I used to do random stuff, but like you know, you get your like karate demos at the mall and your um, fairs and stuff. Oh, but yeah. the bow is always my favorite. I did a little bit with the sword as my brother was learning it. Okay. Just to be able to kind of, in a lot of ways, uh, kind of piggyback on some of his sessions to be able to reinforce what he was doing. And then I think you luck out a lot being exposed to other individuals and other competitors when you're on the team with them. Like I've done nunchuck stuff with, with Matt Inning, which was absolutely amazing. Um, some of the soft style competitors over the years have shown us little tidbits of stuff here and there to kind of indulge our, our curiosity. But as far as competing, no, it's, I've only ever competed with the bow.
0: And then do you remember your, you don't have to like a date or anything, but do you remember your first time on the, on the main stage at a NASCA event and just kind of what that first experience was like up on that main event on a Saturday night? I want,
1: okay. I want to say, and I probably could be wrong and I'm sure somebody out there is going to tell me I'm wrong, but. I remember it being the tournament in Denver, the mile high classic that, that Steve Oliver All, Steve ran. That would have been, oh, I want to say it was 93, 93 or 94, somewhere in there. Because I remember finally winning the division. It was 93. And it was the first time. Now, now it's kind of like uncharted waters, right? You don't really know what to do. You don't know what's expected of you. Like, what time do you have to be back? And I remember—I don't know if you know the name uh, David Cumber, but he was competing oh, yeah. at the time, yeah. And the men's division, which that was actually the division I watched the most, was Mike's division, obviously. And some of the guys in there, John Marshall's in that group. There's there's a lot of really good bow practitioners in there. But competing and and being around as often as we were, of course, your parents, you know, make friends with a lot of these athletes, so they don't think that you're like stalking them because you're always in <laughs> the ring. But I remember him like I can't. I can't remember exactly what it was like. What time he told me, but he gave me some like ridiculous time frame when I was expected to be back for the finals, and my silly self totally believed it. Mom, we got to be back here for this time, and then and she's like, "No, there's no way." So she actually was like, "Yeah, he's just he's completely kidding with you. Not <laughs> what time you're supposed to be there." But yeah, it just it's it's surreal the first couple of times. Like, and not even just as as a young competitor to the Aoi, but I remember like certain. Points across the way where even as an adult, where you literally feel like you're a rookie again, just because of the way that the event unfolded, like, like for me, I'm going to jump Kentucky was one of those the first year, I actually might have been the very first time that I beat Ming Lu in the daytime and made it on stage. I don't even remember what I did in the finals, because I don't really, I, it was like, it didn't matter because I'd, I'd gotten past the daytime, it was great. And I got to stand next to John Valera. And I'm like this little kid in a candy store all over again. Right. And shell shocked and, and starstruck and the whole nine. And then you realize afterwards, you're like, yeah, I maybe should have focused a little bit. more. <laughs> but so what, but, what was yeah. the
0: big difference when you jumped from the the I guess it would be the, the kid events to the adult events? What was kind of the big the big difference in those events?
1: Oh, man, I think the, the pressure changes a little bit. Like, obviously, as a junior, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. And I put a lot of pressure on myself that last year in 15, 17, almost to my demise, if you want to say that, because if I jump back to that experience, uh, last year as a junior was, was brutal. It was my first year with Paul Mitchell. So that was a lot of like indirect pressure, because you want to live up to everybody else's expectations, plus your own expectations, plus, you know, any goals that you have still left before you you jump up and and I I had a lot of trouble I think I dropped in the daytime like oh, I was like four tournaments in a row oh, wow. um, which for NASC is an automatic DQ right you don't even get you don't get a restart you don't get to go on it's you're out which is tough to swallow and one of them happened to be right in front of Coach Rodriguez, and I thought oh my god that's it I'm gonna be off the team before I even started and to go back to like our segue over to the camaraderie that you have with some of these athletes. One of the parents of another competitor that wasn't even in my division. She was um, the division below us, but the dad just is one of those dads that's at all the tournaments. And he actually came up to me at the U S open. I dropped it again. And he said, I, I was thinking of you. And I got this for you. And he hands me this book. And I'm thinking like, I I'm really upset right now. Cause I just screwed up and he's handing me a book, but that, it's actually called um, Thinking Body, Dancing Mind, and it's a Teo sports book oh. about the mental side of athletics and how um, you can apply the mental to both relationships, sports and um, your career. And it changed my entire outlook on the rest of that season and going forward. And anybody that's in any kind of slump, I always recommend it because it really changed how I attacked what I was doing and the pressure that I put on myself at that point. And just to turn it around, like I ended up finishing that season first in weapons, first in forms, first in sparring, overall weapons, overall female competitor, Um, I was next to John Sue for, um, sportsmanship award of the year or whatever it was that came out that year, but it, it, it was a huge flip. So I think I carried some of that confidence and mental adjustment over into the adult division, but now you're, you're back to being a, us, the small fish, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And you, you got a lot of these people that you've looked up to for how many years, right? Like I said, like now you're you've got the potential to stand next to, to a John Valera on the stage and a Suzanne Wankett and competing directly against Ming Lu, which was a nightmare. But yeah, so you, there, there's that shell shock period and that reassessment because you know they they've got experience on their side. Sparring was definitely hard because that was a much different beast as far as the the amount of contact, I guess, was different for me. Mm-hmm. Dottie White set me down a couple times, but yeah, it's, it's I think, I think everybody walks into it and, and it, there is that, that period of, of relearning what you need to do to take that next step forward and win. And it, I, I had been competing against, uh, for weapons. Uh, the boys and girls were together right. for right. the juniors. Yeah. We were all together. And, and I got to say like that 15 to 17 division was always the Stamps. best. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. You can't get that now. Like, I look at some of the tournaments and you kind of look and go, oh, yeah, you know, you got, you got your top three, like at any given time you had, you know, eight to 10 kids that could take that division just based on how the day went. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot what I was talking about. There. Yeah. Um, that, that
0: was always our favorite was the <laughs> the junior division watching them. Yeah. So,
1: amazing. Yeah.
0: I still remember, um, I'm going to draw a line. Ashley Lane. Yes. Her, her little, her, her bow staff to a Kung Fu. I want to say she was like 11 when she did that. Yep. Yeah, that sounds great. Right. Yeah, I, I I still have that VHS somewhere too, and I'll, I'll go back and watch those. It's it's, it, it, you know, for me coming from a traditional martial arts background, our tournaments weren't like that. So that, my my first time seeing the Diamond Nationals, I was kind of blown away. I didn't I didn't know what to expect going there, and yeah, it's definitely an experience. And NASCAR tournaments kind of unlike anything else. So
1: it is a different beast the showmanship's just so different right
0: definitely so do you remember the first time uh, maybe a, a little kid or somewhere maybe even an adult uh, asked you for your autograph after a tournament
1: oh my gosh um i i should be able to say yes to that but i don't is okay. that bad that's really bad well,
0: not necessarily i mean <laughs> um, some people you know, don't I impress, always, some don't
1: <laughs> I, I always found that people asked at really weird times like i used to be like on deck ready it's like i'm next. And people would come up and be like, we have a photo. And I'm like, I, I can't say no. Sure. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. I just, I'll be back in like, give me a minute and a half. <laughs> 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 but I do remember though, as a kid, like 13, 14, because they used to, do you remember at the, um, at the nighttime final show, they used to those, those autograph booklets. Yeah. Yeah, like on the back of the program was the sheet and we would all run around and we'd get, you know, everybody like chat and we get all these guys to sign it. And I don't remember the exact event, but it it is neat when you first get asked because then you realize like you gotta start practicing that signature. Like that's harder than it looks.
0: that is true i know the the first time i met uh, ernie reyes jr at the diamond nationals year i think him and his father were honored or something like that but i actually the first time i met him was actually in the bathroom and oh. a little kid was asking for for his autograph in the bathroom <laughs> so i was like yeah I'll, I'll wait and talk to him when he gets outside
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's I'm time to like, replace guys
0: I, I should have asked him, has that ever happened before? But I didn't. So it probably has. Who knows? I want to back up a little bit. You had mentioned you kind of helped run a school when you were in high school. So what what drew you to teaching? What made you want to teach martial arts, especially at that age?
1: Um, well, I started helping out at the school. We were at like our, our original school when I was um, like between 12 and 13 years old. And I think I kind of got pulled into that a little bit because we had been traveling and training with guys like. Um, Mr. Bernardo mm-hmm. so there was a lot of that like what have you learned what can you show us or oh, what did he say that kind of stuff and so that kind of got the ball rolling because nobody really was well like you said earlier like he's amazing and nobody was really doing what he was doing at the time he, right. he was kind of taking the traditional weapons aspect and making it cool like changing up the pace and the speed and it just it, it, it really left its mark on a lot of people and they wanted to know like what is he showing you so, we actually would have like small little sessions with some of the like adults from our karate school that were teaching at other locations going, you know, show us. And it just, I guess I liked the fact that I could one, help out and give back. And two, it really shows you how much you understand and retained and comprehend when you can regurgitate it and explain it to someone else. Right. Which is, you know, a lot of our, our parents that that look to getting their their children involved in a leadership program at school. i they like, oh, I need a volunteer hours. I'm like, ah, well then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. It's like, watch what they're about to learn about themselves and how they interact with other people. The second you ask them to teach something, and that really, I think that really brought out. I didn't realize that I would be any good at it. And then I think you get that feedback from people that that tell you that they appreciate what you did or or it really made a difference. And then you start seeing people get it. And even today, like I, I had a session uh, with a couple of kids and, and when they have those, we call them light bulb moments mm-hmm. where all of a sudden you can literally see it in their eyes that they just figured out what you've been telling them and light bulb goes on. It's like, that's, it makes it worth it. Right. Right. But yeah, I don't, I, I know I, I kind of got not shoved into it, but put in that role to pass on what I was learning from him because I was one of the only ones traveling to work with him. And then when the opportunity came to open a location under our head instructor, my parents were right there going, yeah, we'll do it. We got somebody to be the head instructor. She's going to help as an assistant instructor. My brother taught. My, my mom taught at the school. Wow. Um, yeah. So my, my mom was in charge of all the kinder classes. Thank God. <laughs> um, yeah. Not something you wanted me teaching at you know, 13, 14 years old. <laughs>
0: See, um, you know, like my, my daughter, when she was that age, she loved teaching the little kids. That was her favorite part was the little kids. I'm like, oh, you yeah. go ahead. I don't want to. I don't no. I didn't mind it, but I preferred a little older or adults.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I didn't understand them, right? Like I'd never really interacted with kids that little and, and they definitely learn in different ways. And I think you have to be aware of. No, regardless of the age, you have to be aware of how your athlete learns, Right. and how can you as an instructor facilitate bringing out their strengths, and how can you get through to them? And it it, it takes a unique person
0: to deal with you know twenty little three year olds. That is true. It's definitely not for everybody. So no, hundred percent. So, so how do you think your teaching styles changed over the years? Wow, I think I think the relationship has changed uh when we
1: when I first started teaching it was obviously a lot of reps and and just my martial arts experience along the way has changed with what it takes to get an athlete where you want them to be and I think we copy and emulate who we learn from and as as I'm sure you can attest to the the teaching of martial arts has evolved a lot in the last 30 years there are things that that we could do 30 years ago that you cannot do today.
0: (laughs) is true um
1: (laughs) right like you it's kind of frowned upon some of the stuff that we were put through as kids oh yeah um so so that's changed and you have to find different ways to try to get that same result like how do you how do you teach toughness when when you can't be as physical as maybe we were Mm -hmm. back then right so I think I think finding other ways around that I've had to adapt um I think we we grow obviously I, I know more now than I knew then uh, which gives me more avenues to get through to different types of learners and different types of um, obstacles that you face with, with different kids based on age, based on ability level, um, based on injuries. I have a, I have a much different respect for adults and how their bodies react to certain drills now that I'm kind of in the same boat. Yep. But I think, I think, yeah, I think not necessarily, I'm going to say I was a mean instructor, but there, there is that kind of stereotype where it's very, very hard. And I'm a little bit more relaxed with the kids now than I guess I, I was then.
0: So you were you were never like a John Crease, probably, maybe not quite that bad. <laughs> no, 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 okay. no. I know no. My, my instructor always, uh, when I interviewed him on my show uh, last year, he actually said, his, his quote was, he said, if I if I taught like I did in the 90s, I'd have almost no students. And if I taught like my instructor did in the early 80s, I'd probably be in jail <laughs> exactly yeah a hundred percent I heard so many stories of his instructor like if if a kid didn't bow properly or something like that just smacking him upside the head I'm like wow yes (laughs) and yeah you'd be in jail for that right now
1: (laughs) yeah well I remember my first adult class that we got invited to and I was only I want to say I was 12 but we had been doing a lot of stuff and and it was a smaller school so we got invited to come and that did not go over well with the adults in the class so any of the contact drills it was very much like we really hope you don't come back wow. so if yeah so i remember standing in front of cuz as a female they even then they tried to if they could pair you up with another female just out of courtesy mm-hmm. but i remember it is one of the drills where you stand there or stand position hands on your head and and they throw uh their straight punch from the horse stance to the body mm-hmm. and it's just a conditioning drill right so they've got to make sure they're hitting with the power part of the hand and, and you got to understand and absorb what that feels like and just getting hammered and you, yeah you, that's i i will admit i have tried similar drills and they're not as well received
0: yeah <laughs> yeah well, a, a variation we've done that with with kids classes. So we'll actually put the the padded chest protectors on them, and we'll yes. put we'll put two of them on, and we'll put a balloon in between the chest protector and them. And the goal is to try to pop your partner's balloon. So it's you know they got the they got the padding for it there, and it's a little more fun to it, but it's still a good workout. So that's
1: awesome. <laughs> yeah, my
0: instructor is really good at disguising games as exercise, so the kids don't realize uh-huh. they're exercising. <laughs>
1: that's
0: amazing okay i'm gonna steal it <laughs> oh feel free feel free yeah. yeah that that one and roundhouse baseball are probably the the two favorite games but actually that roundhouse baseball and penguin soccer Peng, penguin soccer is fun but it can also <laughs> be dangerous if you don't have a big enough spot it basically the kids tie their feet together and you get, <gasps> get one of these big balls that's like you know probably about two two feet two two three feet wide it's just a huge like playground ball and they're basically yeah. they have to hop because their feet are tied together and kick it with only their feet they can't use their hands <laughs> and they're playing soccer so wow yeah but you know we, we tried that with the adults one time and that gets a little little full contact so
1: <laughs> yeah I- any game with adults turns into full contact like right away
0: yeah always but yeah the, like i said the punching one at the blue and that that's one of my favorites to do so we do that with the adults too but it's, it's so much fun with the kids So I always, always get a kick out of that. So, so speaking of kids, uh, you know, you you mentioned you had, you had, so do your kids do martial arts?
1: They did. Okay. Um, my, so I have two boys. Okay. Uh, Nathan is 13 and Caleb is 10. Uh, Nathan started karate when he was two and a half. Wow. And he's just, he, he, he's just an athletic kid. Mm -hmm. Like he's just, he's just one of those kids and he took to it really well. And then Chelsea, my husband's sister, was getting into extra training for the combat games and she was doing some wrestling class and she said you know they have they have a kids program do you want to bring him down i said yeah okay let's go so trevor and i took him down i think he was four and wrestling is now he absolutely loves it that wow. is so cool. he kind of left karate behind he got to orange belt okay. um and then wrestling just held his interest above everything like being able to get his hands on somebody and manipulate somebody and just the whole aspect, everything about it, it fits his personality. So he, but he, he started, which is great. Like I, and even if I talk to parents a lot that, you know, look at the long-term of martial arts, even if they only do it for a little bit, they're still going to get something out of it. And what he got from that young up to four, just the social skills and interacting with other grownups and, it's you can't take it away. Like, I, I wouldn't change it at all. Like, and I think every kid should at some point participate in some capacity, a hey, martial art. Agreed. Caleb, our youngest
0: son, 100%.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Caleb, our younger son, did it too. And he started um, a little bit later. I think he was five when he started. Did a couple of tournaments with sparring, like, you know, just kind of more like a recreational point fighting. He enjoyed it, but it wasn't his passion. And then, unfortunately, when COVID hit and it kind of impacted everybody's training schedules and stuff, he kind of fell out of the the habit with it. And it's just not necessarily his passion. But but again, there's some skills that he did pick up that I'm I'm glad he gave a shot. I think maybe down the road he might bring it up again. But a little bit of football, which is great too, translates over into into what we do. And then um, my husband Trevor played football all through high school, so he's now coaching their team which is amazing yeah
0: so Keeps us busy for sure. See, I could, I could never coach. I got asked when my son was doing like t ball or something if I would coach as a parent because they needed coaches. And I said, I have one question. I said, if the kids, because I went to one game and the kids just they'd fight over the ball, they'd push each other to catch the ball on the same team. And I said, if the kids misbehave, can I give them push-ups? No, parents will complain. <laughs> then find a different coach. <laughs> like exactly. I can't give a kid if I can't give a kid ten push-ups for misbehaving because <laughs> the yeah. parents are going to complain. Like no, yeah. no, yeah, that's. And it, yeah, like you said, I agree. I think, every, and not just kids, I just think everyone at some point in their life should try martial arts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's,
1: and if we go off that, I think every parent that has a child in martial arts should give it a try. Yes. Because I think it will change their outlook on what is happening. Any sport, really. Yeah. That I think I think as a parent, you should at least attempt it to understand how many things are happening at the same time. I think they would really appreciate what their child is going through.
0: That's actually another thing my my instructor started because he, he's out for like twenty years. He's always done or twenty five probably bring bring a friend to class day for the kids. And about five six years ago, I think it was, he started doing bring your parent to class day. And he'll do like once or twice a year and get the parents to come to class with the kids. Then that's how he's fun. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's amazing. Well, one, how many parents end up realizing how much they also enjoy it?
0: Yep. And yep.
1: and two, how many of them now have a different response on the sidelines when you know junior's not doing exactly what he's supposed to do because now they have a little bit more understanding about the um, what goes into it, right?
0: Like, Agreed. I'd I'd love to see it in the public school system. I've been saying that for. 30 years. I mean, I know I know some people have tried it and some people have had luck locally in some areas, but I'd love to see it nationally in our public school system. It's such an important thing. And <laughs> I'll, I don't know if I'll ever see it in my lifetime, but I can keep dreaming. Exactly. So just I want to talk a little bit a little bit about uh, Mike Bernardo. I mean, obviously, like I said, he's he's, he's a legend, especially with the bow staff. He's done he's done movies. I'm actually uh, on the waiting list to have him on my show. I think uh, he, he's fairly busy, but I'm supposed to contact him in January. So I'm hoping, oh, to, ho- hoping to get him on the show in January with fingers crossed. It'll be really cool. I'd love to love to check. I, pro- I probably have an autograph from him somewhere in a book. I remember, I still remember the movie Shoot Fighter that he was in yeah. <laughs> back in the day. Oh my so. God. Yeah, so, yeah. So that'd be fun. But just t- talk a little bit about, about him and that experience and just kind of, like you said, you saw him when you were pretty young and, and kind of blew you away and that's why you decided what you wanted to do. Just talk about, just a little bit about training with him and what that, what that experience is like.
1: Let's see. How do you sum that up? He's an amazing person that I think a lot of people throughout um, the competitive side didn't really see his personality because he's very private Mm -hmm. and quiet and i think a lot of us that that kind of keep to ourselves people wonder why and oh they must be you know i don't say stuck up but that's kind of what people assume and he is everything but like he is absolutely hilarious I don't think a lot of, yeah, I don't think a lot of people know when you get him in the right situation, how funny he is. So we used to come up for camps. You'll have to ask him when you get him on the show, but he is a Elvis Presley fan like no other. Really? Ooh, awesome. Yes,
0: me too. I'll so, actually enjoy talking. Are you about really oh, okay? Yeah.
1: So now, now you'll have some stuff to talk about. But <laughs> nice. so it came up. There was a lot of jokes and stuff, and and you know, joshing back and forth with with the Elvis love. And I remember being at summer camp, and I think it was Brent Beatty. Brent Beatty was there. Brian Brunell, um, uh, Brian Ruth was there. Chris Casamassa, John Marshall. I don't know if any of those names ring a bell, but
0: oh yeah,
1: um, oh. they brought in a bust like an upper body bust of Elvis Presley and put it on a podium in the middle of the dojo floor. That's and awful. so it became like the funny thing every day that you had to bow and pay homage to Elvis. And yeah, so it, it, he just, he's just he got a really interesting sense of humor when he can get past the professionalism because he is very professional with how he, he carries himself. And he was, uh, because of the age gap and to obviously instructor to student, mm-hmm. um, more on a friend level with my parents, Um, which is, I think how it should be. I think you have to preserve that coach and athlete relationship, right? Just, they need to view them in a certain way, right? We're not, we're not there to be friends. We're there to be coaches, but he, he came down to our school one year and did a seminar at the same time. We brought in Chris Casamassa, who they're, they were best friends. And Chris was coaching my brother with, um, creative forms and the two of them together. Yeah. I, I, so so he, he they couldn't get over the fact that you had to pay for air if you want to put air in your tires.
0: Really?
1: Yeah. So that was he's like, "What do you mean you got to pay for air?" We're like, "Yeah." Like so, Chris is from California, so he's we he had stopped to get to get air in the tires of the van. I don't even know why. Why is it? Because he did it. But so that was the thing. He was going to go out and he put a couple quarters or whatever in the machine and he's going to put air in the tires. And Chris starts laughing and he's like, "Just watch this." Okay. So we're nice and quiet in the car because you know, obviously they're adults, you're trying to be respectful. And he yells out the window. He's like, all right, Mike, we're good. Just go ahead and turn it off. I mean, like, so what do you mean, turn it off? It's like you gotta turn it off. Like, Mike, you got so now Chris is like the volume's getting higher and he's more urgent. He's you have so now Mike Bernardo is running around the the air pump. Trying to find the cutoff valve, having no clue that it's on a timer, it automatically, you, you only put two quarters in, it's going to turn off. <laughs> Freaking out That's that awesome. this thing is going to explode because we have to pay for air in America. That's um, awesome. <laughs> yeah. And the two of them together, just a riot. But there's a lot of times like training where, where you're slightly, obviously intimidated mm-hmm. because whatever he said goes, right? Like I was never one of those kids that, that talked back or argued, but definitely would afterwards kind of try to take what they give me and and put my own spin on it which i think is another thing i love about being able to do uh sport martial arts is the creative side of it right and he definitely kind of encouraged me to do that but tried to keep me true to the application and the fact that even though we're kind of pushing the boundaries on what we can do it still needs to have the essence of where you started so i definitely appreciate that as a lesson because i think that it's something that is is timeless and unfortunately is a little bit forgotten with today's competitors. Right. So I definitely appreciate that with him, but yeah, I, I, I will say that if I go back to him as a coach, he's definitely funnier than, than people
0: realize. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Now you, uh, you said you started in a, in a blend of karate and Aikido and then did you actually train in some shorin with Mike or was it strictly just weapons? And is there any other styles you've trained in over the years?
1: Um, so when we were coming up, to do camps and stuff with him I had asked if I could start to learn a lot of the kata's because the kata's that we did uh, in our style didn't really translate over to competing very well mm-hmm. same as like uh, and I absolutely love watching kimpo forms but they don't translate over into sport karate tournaments that are open they're better for tournaments that have specific stylistic divisions right. so I started I wanted to learn his caught us, so he started out throughout our sessions with the bow. He would also show me the the routines that they needed to do through their curriculum, and it actually um, paid off huge because I I competed with more of like a blended creative form from '91 until
0: '97. Okay.
1: So yeah, I was like really bad creative if I could go that way. It I did all right. I'm mean, not gonna assume it, but. I actually got injured and wasn't able to do the form that I had planned. And my mom said, well, we're here. You, you have to compete. Oh. What are you going to do? And I said, well, I've been doing, you know, the katas with Miss Bernardo, like I could try to do one of those. Like, I think I could, I could do it. And she said, okay. So I ran unsu at the, I think it was a gold coast classic in Florida it would have been like, what was it? Terminus and start to like February, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was like the turning point for me. I did traditional from then on. Wow. And it just, yeah. because I. I got great feedback from the judges. I did better that tournament injured than I've been doing with anything else. Um, and it just kind of clicked that this is a better lane for me. So then, um, yeah, so he took some time and helped me with, with that side of it. Um, I've done some stuff over the years with, like I said before, uh, some you know teammates along the way that have been uh, nice enough to to share different um, aspects of their art, a little bit of Taekwondo here and there, just to be able to to compete with it. But also to compare principles. I'm doing some Gojeru stuff right now, which I absolutely
0: love. Very um, cool. Yeah. Okay, nice. And I wanna talk a little bit about uh, doing some searches. I found you, you've done some instructional DVDs over the years. Just talk a little about how that how that came about and, and what was that like doing? I see oh. three or four or five maybe that I'm seeing on this yeah. uh, black and blue video productions.
1: Yeah, I would have been like 15. Oh oh, you were God.
0: that young when you did, wow.
1: Yes. Cause I was still on Metro at the time when we did those.
0: Okay. The first
1: one we did was the three of us. It was uh, myself, my brother and Cody Gildall. Okay. And yeah. that would have been, yeah, Cody was awesome. That would have been like, I want to, I want to say that was maybe, 90, that would have been like 95. Yeah, they, don't, they, don't have, they don't have
0: ears on them on here. So <laughs> I didn't know no. that,
1: but yeah, that's kind of scary. <laughs> um, it's scary. Cause every now and then I have students that come in and say they saw it and,
0: it yeah it's just a little bit traumatized well they're still selling them so they're still on there i I could add it to the cart and still buy them if i wanted to
1: (laughs) i'm not getting any commission i'll tell you that oh wow no (laughs) 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 yeah so we we had done the one together which was awesome we did it at uh splendid china there uh before the u.s open they normally would have you come in a little bit early and they would rent out a spot because the the backdrops were just beautiful hot as all get out but amazing and then the second grouping we did um because he did actually, they did a lot of athletes at that location. But the second group we did, I, I had the pleasure of recording the same day. It's Jimmy Pham. Oh, okay. Um, if you ever got, did you ever get to see Jimmy compete at Diamonds?
0: At least once or twice. I recognize the yeah. name. So I'm sure I saw him at least once or twice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Phenomenal competitor, but killed me that day, I will say, because he's a perfectionist, which you have to be to be as good as he is in martial arts. But he oh. showed up with note cards and flashcards for his script on how he was going to break down his video where he wanted the clips to start and stop um, and then in between each take you know make sure his hair looked good and all that stuff <laughs> meanwhile we're literally baking in the Florida sun in July and by the time um, Wally got to me he's like okay okay so so it's your turn I'm like all right and I just I remember asking him like how much footage do you need and he goes uh about an hour you know give or take I said okay Whatever happens, just leave the camera on because we're we're out of here in an hour. Like I'm sunburnt, <laughs> like I'm done. Wow. Um and we went, yeah. But it was a lot of fun. Like at the time at that time too, I'd been, you know, teaching for four years. Okay. Um, cool. mostly bow So I had a lot of you kind of know what you need to cover. Yeah. And working with you know, private lessons, and that stuff. You kind of know where you need to be and just break it down and go for it. But it was a lot of fun. That's cool. I will say a lot of fun. And again. I don't, I don't even know if Splendid China is still around to be able to go to the museum there, but
0: um, absolutely amazing the uh, reproductions of all the, the models and things that they have. I'll have to look into that and see if it's still around. That's kind of cool. So what advice would you give to someone who approaches you and they're, they're thinking and getting involved in martial arts, they've never done it before, and you, you just want to give them some tips on maybe what to look for in an instructor, what to look for in a school, and maybe some things to avoid?
1: Oh, wow. Anybody that calls, our location. I, I always tell them to go to more than one school because I think you need to know what's out there to compare. I think there are a lot of parents that that parents adults looking for that go to the the first one or the closest one mm-hmm. and and just go. It's close to my house. I'll go there. I think you do need to to look into different facilities. Um, I think you can tell a lot about a facility based on how clean it is, where where their priorities are that way. But you have to mesh with the instructing staff, right? You, you, you have to have a school that fits your learning style and that you're comfortable in the environment because there are some um, amazing coaches that just don't fit right for the athlete. I think that anybody that's considering getting involved, I would hundred percent say do it, just find the right school that, that fits. Again, your learning style and, and your comfort level. Generally, you can tell too when you go in and watch a class, like based on the students that are currently in the facility, what what the vibe is like. And I, I think that all sports are very much a, a culture. You know, each whether it's football or basketball or sorry, you you have that that I don't want to say cult mentality, but mm-hmm. there's that group, there's that family group, and. And for me, that's definitely something I would look at. Like if the, if the members have that connection to that school, then that, that's a good sign. And to like progress, like I know um, I, I've, I've interacted with some instructors in some locations that it's, it's very much a my way or the highway, yep. whether or not you physically can do it will, will dictate your advancement in the program. And I think depending on where you are in your life, those are things you have to factor in. Right. Um, if I'm 55 years old and have bad knees and a bad hip, is is that gonna be something that my instructor will take into account? Right.
0: Great point. Um,
1: yeah. If I'm if I'm an adult that's looking for my kid to get involved, is it an environment that that follows the values and, and what I'm looking for as a parent? Because I'm definitely hundred percent a believer that it takes a village and we need our parents and our coaches and our teachers saying the same thing to these kids. So I think if you can find a school that that, that keeps the same values and, and reiterates those values, then you have a home where that
0: kid's going to be successful for a long time. Nice. That's a great answer. And I think you're about the fourth or fifth guest I've had that I've said it takes a village. So that's, that's becoming a recurring theme, which makes a lot of sense. Oh, really? So. Yeah, That's good. That's good. So now coming from primarily a traditional background, obviously you got into the sport karate too, but most of your training has been in traditional side. What are your thoughts on, on MMA and the UFC? And are you a fan?
1: I am a fan. I, I like the strategy behind it. I like the, the, the crossing of genres and different types of contact sports. I like that uh, it's becoming something where you can watch and it's not, not how to say it, there's a method to the madness. That mm-hmm. it's a chess game. There's the 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 announcers can really break down the techniques. You you can the general audience can get an appreciation for what's happening. I enjoy watching it. I like the matchups. I'm I'm not one that really likes all the all the trash talking ahead of time to lead into the fights. I could yeah. do without all that.
0: The WWE um, stuff, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't need that. But but I think um, I think it's interesting. Like it's definitely. A completely different spin-off from the artistic side of what we do, performance-wise. Right.
0: But so, was there ever a part of you that thought, "Hmm, maybe I'll give it a try"? Ever, ever any inkling of jumping oh, into the cage? <laughs>
1: okay, no. Okay. <laughs> um So, 90s, I would've been sixteen. Now. Wow, a lot of stuff happened. There. Um, my brother went to see the UFC the second. I believe this was the second one that they had in Charlotte. Okay. Where Hoist Gracie won.
0: Yep. Like my brother
1: and my, yeah, my brother and my mom were in the audience there, wow. Charlotte. Okay. And yeah, he was hooked. That's, he was so excited. That's nice. what he wanted to do with Jiu Jitsu. So again, supportive parents mm-hmm. um, said, okay, how, well, how do we, how do we do this for him? How do we get him in contact with some of these guys? And they found where at the time, because of his reputation, Hoist was doing uh, quite a few seminars throughout the U S so we signed up for one and went and participated in one of the seminars. He actually taught with his wife, who is an amazing individual, I will add, wow. and, and did some of it. So I, I definitely like it. I don't think that it's, it's my lane. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. My brother was very much, I think he ruined it for me, to be honest, because <laughs> it was a, come here, let me try this move. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. And you get in these weird pen positions. I'm like, oh, what do I do? And he'd be like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, well, wait a second.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> you got me pinned on the floor. My arms, twisted. What, what do I do? He's like, it doesn't matter. Let me try the technique again. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. So I ended up being the dummy for him quite often. But, but yeah, I, I think, I think it's amazing. I think it's, it's really good for people that are um, tactile mm-hmm. that can really feed off similar to judo and wrestling, which, which again, my, my guy does where. You're really good at reading uh, the body language as it happens, and I'm I'm not skilled in that, and I'm okay to okay to admit it. It's not my niche. I'm very much more like the perfection of repetition. And I think in that in that live match, there's so much more happening that deviates from that repetition that it, my brain doesn't work so well with it. Okay. But he 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 went on. He's still doing it. He's working American Top Team wow. um, teaching jujitsu. Yeah, he he absolutely loves it. Very cool. Um, he, yeah.
0: Okay. So if you, let's see, i probably already know the answer to this one, but if you had oh. to pick one martial artist to put at the top of your list for someone you just admire, who would it be? Oh
1: my gosh. There's so many. I have to pick one. <laughs> wow. You
0: can, you can name more than one. I mean, oh, most I name, most people can't pick just uh, one, but that's, I usually I ask name, if they can.
1: I can name dozens. Um, <laughs> So if I'm gonna go.
0: I, I figured Mike would have been your your easy go-to, maybe, but
1: <laughs> he, he, he would be, but I think I don't know, there have been so many amazing people. Like you go from like, okay, am I looking at, at it from like an athletic perspective creatively, like, oh my gosh. There are certain names that instantly pop to mind aside from my mentors, mm-hmm. um, like uh like a John Sue. Oh, yep. Um, just as far as the embodiment of what martial arts is meant to be um john is just at the top of that list for me um because he's one of those guys that's not only like an amazing human being but an amazing martial artist and at the same time really embraces the spiritual side of what martial arts is all about and just uh, he's just an amazing he's awesome yeah i don't know god there's so many good people i'm gonna
0: stick with john i think Yeah, Like yeah. I said, that, that one, usually usually someone either ha- has a name right there or they can't narrow yeah. it down because there's a lot of them. So that's okay. No problem. All right. So in all your years of martial arts, is there one philosophy you've learned that kind of stands at the top of your list, one that you keep coming back to and is maybe really important to you?
1: Philosophy. I think one of the big, I guess as an instructor to the kids, it's, it's the process. I think you have to embrace the process. And there's so many different facets to what we do that you – yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to even verbalize what I'm feeling right now. Hmm. There, there's always more you can do. And I think a lot of people get complacent. And as a coach, I feel that it's my role and my responsibility to the athletes I work with to always figure out what's the next step and how do I make it better? And I have some kids that go, well, you, you just, you correct me a lot. And I go, yeah, because even when you get it, I got to get it one more step, one more step. And I think it's just the concept of always striving to take it one step further. Okay. Um, and I think that that's something that we can apply to everything that we do, not just martial arts, but you know, how can I be a better parent? How can you be a better friend? How can you be a better human to the, to your neighbors? Like, how can, how can you be better at everything that you do instead of the common complacency that we see in a lot of people today where it's like, ah, eh, good enough. I, I really dislike the concept of good enough. And I think that it's, it, it definitely needs to be more of a pushing to be better every day.
0: I like that. Good answer. All right. These, these last few kind of fun ones and some people have answers for each of them. Some, maybe just some of them. So it kind of depends, but do you have a favorite martial arts book?
1: I, I would say um, thinking body, dancing mind. Nice. A Tao sports book for sure.
0: Cool. I figured you'd mention that one after you brought it up before. Yep. So that's a good one. Uh, and, and this one's a new question I started asking, especially for people kind of our age that kind of grew up in the eighties and nineties. Do you have a favorite martial arts video game?
1: Video game, street fighter. Nice. Cause I used to beat my brother at it all the time. <laughs> and great. because we got the, the, whatever the adapter thing you can get. So we can, I can play my own kids now nice. and I can beat them and they hate it.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Yep. Yep. I haven't played Street Fighter in years. I need to actually play it again cuz it's probably been 20 years since I played it. And you'll probably still be great in. I hope so. It's I, I was decent. I I don't I probably didn't play it as often as you, but I was decent at it. So, all right. Final two. Favorite martial arts TV show.
1: TV show. Would you believe I didn't really watch a lot of martial arts TV shows?
0: Really? Okay. Yeah. Like
1: even like Walker Texas Ranger I never really watched.
0: Okay. What about uh, what about the show that maybe had some of your friends on? Did you you watch WMAC Masters when it was on?
1: I I did watch quite a few of
0: those episodes. Okay, I gotta say, so you you haven't got into Cobra Kai yet? I'm not not gonna (laughs) call. No, I haven't watched it. Okay, no problem. Like I said, it's it's you know. And the last one, do you have a favorite martial arts movie? Okay. Oh, I'm gonna say Best of the Best. I just watched that two weeks ago again. (laughs) Really? I love love that movie. Yeah, there's so many like quotes in that too. I watch it once a year at least, at least once a year. It's, yeah, it, it's yeah. just classic. Yeah, I mean, it's one. it's cheesy, but it's so good.
1: <laughs> no, it is great. Like the training in the snow. Yep. And the cowboy, great. Yeah,
0: Christopher Penn. Yeah. Yes. Tropical, no, Tropical. Yeah, definitely yeah. definitely better than the, I mean, the, the sequels were okay, but the first one just stands on its own. It's so good. Cool. Yeah, no, the, the, you got to go with the first one. Nice. Awesome. Well, Casey, I just want, I want to thank you. I'm, I'm so glad we were able to do this and glad you, and, and I, I got to give a shout out to my cousin, Tony, cause he's hes the one that suggested that I reach out to you and try to get you on the show. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad I was able to, to track you down. And, and you said, yes, it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thanks. And thanks to Tony. Cool. And I will um, definitely, I'll put uh, anything you want me to share links on. Uh, on the show notes just it'll send me links the, and and I'll, I'll get them out there for people to check out and i'll probably i'll probably track down some of my favorite videos of you competing back in the 90s and put some links from youtube on there too so
1: oh please don't <laughs> no
0: <laughs> come on you there were some amazing ones back then yeah oh man no well if you, if you have some favorites no you no know. you
1: you put up whatever whatever you feel cool because oh, I watch it all now and I look and go oh I should fix this I should fix that oh why didn't somebody tell me to fix that yeah
0: yeah but obviously it was good enough to win so
1: <laughs> yeah
0: there you go we'll go with that there we go cool well once again I, I appreciate your time and, and enjoy the rest of your evening thank you